Today's episode of Birds All Day is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Greetings and good day, and welcome back to Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we're here talking about or around your Toronto Blue Jays. We are getting in deep into Remember Some Guys season. I feel like that's what, uh, what we're going to do for the next little while. That's what, all, that's what all the baseball content is now guy remembering. This is a guy remembering economy, as uh, Scott Lewis said. It's been a boon to the remembering, Remember Some Guys economy. And there's one guy that I always remember, and I remember him because he joins me as always. Uh, old reliable. Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I mean, as the chief remembering guys correspondent on uh, on this podcast, yeah, I, uh, I feel guilty about it, but obviously this has been a boon to uh, my personal economy. <laughs> I'm glad to see you have, uh, you've got, adva- you invested in some Remember Some Guys futures. Uh, I've seen a lot of remember, remember Some Guys content out there. There's something actually I just saw just tonight on Instagram, which was a... Um, a mediocre March uh, bracket where it was like a mm-hmm. 64 mm-hmm. of the most mediocre um, uh, ball players, And you will be pleased to know that in this incredibly real and definitely worth your time thing that happened on this earth, that former Blue Jay, a former Blue Jay came out on top. Wow. Yeah. And it was, who do you think? If, you, if I had to say there's a former Blue Jay who was named the Mediocre Madness champion. He is the Mediocre Ma- uh, He defeated Bronson Arroyo in the final, which is like, you know, these are this is big stuff. Yeah. I mean, so it went back a ways, you're saying? Uh, what era are these guys from? So I'll, I'll read you the names of some of the other guys okay. that uh, are in the mat. They, they remember some, this remember some guys tournament. There's, they're broken into uh, infielders, pitchers, outfielders, and then there's also a... Uh, fictional player section that I will ignore. Uh, we got some, your Desi Relifords, your Willie Bloomquist, Bill Hall, Craig Council, mm. Miguel, Miguel Cairo, Tony Graffinino, uh, Jason LaRue, Salfasano is in there. Not not the guy that won. Jay Gibbons, Shane Spencer, Kareem Garcia, uh, Pat Mahomes, Mike Pelfrey, Big Pelf. How can you not remember that guy? Gil Mesh, Andy Sonnenstein, Aaron Harang. Aaron Harang won the Cy Young, didn't he? I do not remember the Aaron Harang Cy Young year. I do remember that he did have some, you know, success in his career. Uh, Brandon uh, McCarthy, but I, Brandon but McCarthy gonna, retired go. two years. Brandon McCarthy retired two years ago. Who doesn't remember that guy? He's also the terminally online baseball player that is the most easily rememberable memorable guy. Uh, do you have any guesses on the former Blue Jay who came out on top? I have. Okay, my first guest was going to be Alex Gonzalez. The the. Uh, the, the the 90s one not the 2010s one not the mm-hmm. email escobar trade one mm-hmm. um because that's a guy you know mediocre everybody remember but people remember the bartman play for example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And then I also, and then I, I kind of hesitated. I was like strong Alex Gonzalez in my brain. And then you re- a lot of the names kind of had like, uh, sound like Italian names. And then I'm like, maybe Frank Catalanato is a dark horse. So that's a good that's guy to remember. Yeah. Great. Uh, professional hitter, as I recall. Professional hitter. The guy, <laughs> the, uh, I think it's a bit of a, maybe it's, it's not inaccurate. The, the, the mediocre madness champion was Lyle Overbay, wow. which is, you know, it hurts me a little bit. But also, like Lyle Overbay was like was a serviceable, like league average first baseman who didn't hit for a ton of power, but was good at lots of other things. He was a very nice fielder, got on base, mm-hmm. hit the doubles. We talked about him. Uh, he was featured prominently in the game that I streamed last on Twitch, which was a 2000, that 2009 game between the Blue Jays and the Yankees with Roy Halladay and AJ Burnett on the mound. I got a lot of time for Lyle Overbay, is what I'm saying. So I'm just nice to see him recognized. Now, was there, no, 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 not now. First, First, some Lyle Overbay commentary, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you telling the Lyle Overbay story? Uh, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to. Uh, I, was, I was merely going to say, uh, you know, the Pearl Jam would always come to the to the, the plate to, mm-hmm. to Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you were saying that, I'm like, you know, Lyle Overbay, I don't know, he's kind of memorable. And then, of course, to Blue Jays fans, yes, he would be. But, like, if Lyle Overbay had his Blue Jays years – in Cleveland, in Detroit, yeah, you would clearly like a vague recollection of Lyle Overbay existing. Uh, He'd be so I can understand how. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I understand how like a broader uh, a breadth of of, uh, of fans from wherever uh, may have found him to be the most mediocre of all. I feel like James Loney was was robbed. James Loney. <laughs> Also, a, a little bit of a. Uh, also, for 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 clarification, Aaron Harang did not win a Cy Young. He did win sixteen games two years in a row. I think I had him in my Which mind. Just basically the same. Yeah. Well, it, it is in those days. <laughs> back then, back. Then. I think he led the league with sixteen wins. But I had him in my mind confused with Brandon Webb, who did in fact. He was great. Won a Cy Young. Yeah. He only he only made. Well, I guess he made two hundred starts in his career. That's a lot, but it just doesn't look like that long. He played seven, for seven years. Uh, but in any event, this is a route. We're off to a rousing start here. Feel, let me tell you. I feel. But I think we have a. I'm not going to pretend like we like people aren't here for one reason. We have a lot of runway. We can screw around for as long as we want because there is no guy that I'm more excited to remember than the guy that we had on this week's podcast, Stoughton. And I think we had a nice. I, I cannot cannot but concur. Yeah. This week's guest on Birds All Day. Is former Blue Jays manager John Gibbons. That's it. That's all I got to say. So why don't, for the love of God, we we talk to John Gibbons? He helps. He remembers some guys. Let me tell you, he's he's met some guys. Let's talk to John Gibbons about being the Blue Jays manager, about his new role with the Braves, about all kinds of John Gibbons stuff. It was this this uh, whether or not you are excited or or not. If you're new to the show. If you're not new to the show, this conversation with John Gibbons that we already recorded goes exactly as you might expect. Like it could not have been a like you could have drawn it up beforehand. <laughs> and I say that in like the best possible way. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's great. It re- we really had a lot of fun. So let's talk to John Gibbons. Let's take a break. And we'll come back with more Birds All Day. All right. So as we previously mentioned, it is our pleasure at this time to be joined by former Blue Jays manager, former Kansas City Royals bench coach, then former Blue Jays manager again, 
Mr. John Gibbons. John, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Hey, I'm glad, I'm glad to. You know, it's good to, you know, everybody's been removed from baseball now for quite a, quite a while, so it's kind of nice to get to talk to people about baseball. I think that that's what we're going to be talking about, right? <laughs> that was the plan. That's yeah. the plan. Uh, uh, and and I, I assume you're, you're okay with that. You don't have anything else you want to get off your chest. Don't be afraid. You know, if you've if you, if you, if you got some, some big feelings, let us know. No, but, uh, no I'm good. One thing, actually, that I do want to talk to you about to start off with was right now, because there is no baseball, uh, what a lot of people and a lot of different you know, TV networks, I'm sure, are, uh, are doing are, are showing old games. And it got me thinking about, uh, as I sort of mentioned off the top, your, your first stint with the Toronto Blue Jays. And we've been talking a lot here on our show, even about like that 2006 Blue Jays team, man. What a good club. I don't know what, what you think about when you think back to like that, that era. That was obviously, it was, it was a bit of a different, uh, a different time. They had, you know, made all these big moves. Uh, you know, what, when I asked you or when I mentioned the 2006 Blue Jays in particular, I mean, you won 87 games. What, what are the things that you first, uh, first come to mind for you? Well, it, uh, yeah, I, I can that was, that was a good year. It was an exciting year for us. And, and, you know, at, at the time, we felt like we'd taken a you know, step forward, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I remember my, my first go-around in Toronto, it was always, always Yankees-Red Sox. I mean, they were, they were both the powerhouses, you know, in the, in, the, in the league. And it was like, I think you roll around in June every year, both those teams, had, you know, they'd pulled away, you know. So you know, it, could be, it, was started, it would always turn into a – Long season early on, you know, but they were so much better than everybody else, you know, and they had the resources to do things. But that was kind of, that was, I do remember, it was a, you know, it was a fun year because, you know, we, we, won, we won some games. We, we had a good group of guys, very, you know, we were very competitive. And, um, you know, obviously it didn't last long enough or it didn't get us to where we wanted to go that, at that time. But it was, you know, it did create some optimism. It, it was always a, it was a good. Um, I feel like it, what, what's happened. What was happening then is kind of similar to what the Blue Jays, I assume, are wanting to happen now. Because there was like a group of kind of homegrown guys that were kind of coming together. Kind of a lot of position players, and then of course Roy Halladay. And then it was that the, the move, the decision to sort of supplement. Like let's grab you know AJ Burnett and and uh, and and BJ Ryan, and then Frank Thomas. Like we got to plug some holes with these big with these big um, these big kind of more established guys. But it's interesting to hear. That, that everybody really was able to get along when you have that sort of all these new guys kind of dropped in at the same time. Yeah, you know, it, uh, you know, base, baseball's funny. It, you know, some teams you have, you know, everybody gets along, you know, and, and it's really a smooth year from that, from that uh, viewpoint. doesn't mean you're, you know, you're, you're a good club, but there's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a good group that for some reason gets along, you know, and then, then you have some teams that nobody gets along or that, you know, there's some friction, what have you. And sometimes those are your better teams, you know, it's maybe because there's better players and, and uh, you know, a little, little more egos, egos involved. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've found out over the years, too, some of your best players in the game, you know, they get that little edge about them and that's what mm-hmm. makes them really good. You know, they, uh, you know, very emotional. They, some of them are emotional roller coasters, and, but that's what makes them tick. So, so, you know, I, one thing I learned over the years managing is, you know, that every, every team's different, you know, the character and the makeup of the team. Uh, and maybe, you know, the, the easiest year as far as managing and, and the personalities and the less, less uh, conflict, you know, is not always your best, your best teams, you know. So you just, you just learn to deal with those things. And, uh, you know, I, one, thing, one, one of my, uh, you know, fondest memories, you know, is really just some, some of the guys that I got to manage, you know, along the way. And, you know, mm-hmm some of the better players in, in the game, uh, in the history of the game, and, and really some of the characters of the game, you know, and, and uh, 
those are the memories that I'll, I'll always remember. You talk about those kind of personalities, and I think that the you know the 2015, 2016 Blue Jays they had a bit of a different personality. Where I mean, I mean, I can't say that I know. Obviously, when the team is is winning and everyone's celebrating, it sure looks like everybody gets along. But maybe that was a different. That was a bit of a different. Like, um, I feel like there was a. My impression from the outside is that there was a high level of like professionalism. Like you know, like you said, guys are maybe have they all tick a little bit differently but but everybody is a they're good players and b they're able to come together get the put the work in and then and then put a great uh, product on the field right and, and you focus on winning that's the number one thing you know uh yeah that, that in 15 you know of course you know we uh you know we brought josh donaldson came in and russell martin and those guys those guys you know those guys gave us some toughness you know and, and uh you know we, we had we had jose Batista, you know jose had already been there in carnacion and he and they were always putting up the numbers, but but it was the team I think was missing just a little bit of that toughness and and, uh, and maybe you know that extra player to star type player, star power, uh, productive players, the guys that have been in the playoffs year after year. And you know Donaldson, of course, had been doing it out there in Oakland, and, and Russell, Russell just about everywhere he went, you know, the different teams, and they're always in the postseason. So, but you got to remember too, you know, even going around the uh, time of the trade deadline, we're just up around. You know, 500, just like we were, we were almost the exact same record, if I'm not mistaken, as the year before. Mm-hmm. But the year before, in, in 14, you know, we, we weren't able to, and there was no money that we weren't able to make any moves. Where I know in 15, you know, Alex Anthopoulos had saved some, saved some money just just for that. And, you know, of course, he was able to, you know, build it, pull off some big trades. You know, he had some money left, to, I, I guess, you know, to, you know, to bring him to, to to finish off the rest of uh, David Price's contracts for the rest of the year, and then, of course, you know, Tulowitzki and and uh, uh, you know, sure, uh, Jose Reyes, right? You know, mm-hmm. put there. And I think that I think that was the big move. You know, uh, and I, I love that, but you know, uh, Jose Reyes. You know, I mean, he, his legs were had left him basically. You know, and he was having mm-hmm. a hard time moving his shortstop, and a lot of balls getting through that need to be caught at the big league level. There's no doubt. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one thing to make the, the routine play in, in the Plays you're supposed to make in the big leagues, but you also got to you also got to take away hits, you know. And, and so I think when Tulowitzki came over, I mean, it, it, it was like he really turned our defense around, which I think is the key thing, more so than even some of you know the the, the pitching moves we made. And because uh, yeah, we brought in a couple of relievers, we got Ben Revere, Ben Ben cleaned up our outfield a little bit because you know we were a little bit shaky out there defensively most of the year too. So. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, then we just took off. You guys saw it, you know. I mean, it was like a light switch. You know, I think we mm-hmm. just caught fire, and, caught, and then he couldn't stop us. You know, so. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you, you know, we went wire to wire. You know, I mean, it was almost identical record, I believe, if, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, as it was in '14. Except this time, we made some key moves, identified some things, and you know, Alex did a great job, and him, Alex and his guys of, you know, picking the right guys. It's uh, it, it was definitely one of like the longest lineups. You know, when you start to add Tulowitzki, which, uh, you know, he was still really productive in 2015. But I remember in the playoffs in particular, just long at bats and like really fighting and waiting to get his pitch. And when you add that in with everybody else in that lineup, just an absolute uh, buzzsaw. I I can't imagine, uh, you know, what what other managers were telling you about what it's like to to look look across the field and think you got to face like a lineup that's seven, eight (laughs) legit hitters deep. I know, you know, and I can I can remember all year long, even early on, when we were just, you know, uh, you know, we'd score a ton of runs, but we we were killing ourselves defensively, and you know, some of the pitching things was a little bit out of whack at times. 
but it was nothing for us to score 10 runs. I mean, and I can remember mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, you know, two or three games at least we're down by close to 10 runs early in the game. We came back and won that thing, or at least made a game out of it. So we, I mean, we could, yeah, we could hit the long ball. You know, Colabello came over doing his thing, smoking, you know, a lot, a lot of guys really, uh, you know, really contributed in, in, uh, but we, yeah, I, I think we had the best offensive baseball that year. There's no doubt by my. If you look, especially the again after the trade deadline, like you mentioned, I don't think it was even particularly close. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned pitching, and this is the thing that that so so Stoughton and I have been kind of working together and collaborating and, and covering the team since since about two thousand seven, two thousand and six. And the one thing that we always agreed on was just we always liked the way that you handled the bullpen. Um, number one, I think that I'm sure that you you will you'll say in as many words that. Having good pitchers makes that job look really easy. Well, but, but there's no secret to that. But I, but I thank you for the compliment. Well, no, I, I, I wonder about your what your kind of feeling, your philosophy. Like, I mean, how much of it is feel and, and kind of knowing the guys and having them be able to, you know, that trust and being able having them tell you, like, oh, I'm just not, I, I'm not fresh. I don't know if I could do this today. Uh, versus sort of, uh, you know, just having guys you know can get you out. Right. Well, you know what, uh, you know. I, most of those guys, you know, I, I knew for a couple of years, if, if not, if they were new to the team, you know, I got to know them and, you know, and I, and, and I figured out what made them tick, you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, one thing I was always conscious of is, is their workload. There's no doubt, no doubt. Um, and keeping an eye on that because, you know, see, you know, see the pay me now or pay me later. And there, there's, uh, and there's some nights they had to pitch, but there was, there was some nights, you know what, they weren't going to pitch no matter what. And I'm talking, I'm talking about your go-to guys late in the game because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you run those guys out there too often. You know, they may be your top guys, but they're not going to be as effective anyway. You know, because they're they're dead. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of it's just common sense, knowing what you have. But you know, there's there's no question if you if you have some depth down there, you're you're going to be that much better off. And um, uh, and, and you know, it's yeah, it, part of it's gut. Part, part of it's, I don't know if it's gut or just knowing what certain guys can do and in who they're who they're going to face, but. You know, I mean, and you know, I, I look at matchups and, and you know, went a little deeper into that. But you know, I think, you know, I kind of got the reputation in baseball. I think from what I hear, you know, kind of I'm anti-analytics, which, which is couldn't be further from the truth, because you know, I mean, in, you know, I'd, I'd look at numbers and different things. You know, it, it wasn't. I mean, back then it wasn't anything like it is now. But mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot to be said in numbers and figuring things out and having a game plan going in, and then, you know, hoping you got you got the talent and. Uh, I, w- I will say what uh, what else is very important that gets overlooked nowadays. I think I mean you have to you have to have some starters that can eat some innings, you know, or or you kill that bullpen every night, you know. At um, I watch some of these playoff games and um, and some of them, you know, it's like they can't wait to get the starter out of there, and the, the guy's rolling along, and yeah, that, yeah, that may help you. That I mean that that night you might be okay, but that next night is going to catch up with you and, and then it's going to get snowballs, you know, it's late, late in the season. Anyway, these guys are burned out on the good teams because they pitch a lot. And mm-hmm. then, so they're basically on fumes anyway. So you got to have some starters that give you some innings to save that, that group down there. Otherwise it's, you're doomed. There's no question in my mind. I, so I have a bit of a pet theory that, that the, the idea of the opener and being able to use so many pitchers, I, I think it can be effective in the regular season. I think you look at Tampa Bay and the success that they've had um, using that, right. that strategy. But I, th- I think the thing that I, – I don't know if that it works in the playoffs, and I don't know if your feelings are the same. But, I mean, you think about Tampa Bay used – I think they used like 27 different relievers at, at points last year, which, you know, you can't do that in a short series. 
So is this is it more of a regular season thing versus a playoff thing? I mean, you're you're trying to win the title at the end of the day, right? Yeah, it, yeah, but you know what? Uh, well, they both teams the same game used it in the World Series last year, didn't they? Houston and then mm-hmm. they both use uh, both well, they had bullpen days, and I think the series, I think the Yankees, Houston, leading up to the World Series, they both both had a bullpen day. Yeah. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you know, at least, no, at least right. one of those series, and you're going. Really, this is kind of unheard of in baseball, you know. But uh, you know, first when it came out, I, I, I said, "Come on!" I mean, you know, I understood their thinking behind it was down in Tampa. I'm speaking of the, you know, that yeah, numbers. You know, they were short on numbers. You know, they, you know, they they didn't have the money to do it, or for, or for whatever reason, so they were forced to do it. And you know, they they did a heck of a job doing it. But the key was, you know, they had some pretty good, they they had some big arms in that pen. Now, if you're if you're running out average Joe down there, you know, I think it's not, definitely not going to work either. But you, I mean, they had some of the best arms in baseball, and uh, you know uh, who, who's the, who's the big right-hander? He started most of the games for Tampa down there. Big, long-haired, curly-haired, blonde-headed guy, kid. Uh, anyway, he was, he, I knew. It. Yeah, yeah, I think that. Yeah, Stanley. Yeah, I think it was uh, him. That's yeah, he did a heck of a job in the role. And then they bring mm-hmm. in that kind of sidearm and lefty. See, when you get old, man, you forget forget names. But <laughs> and, and he, he was good too. So they maximized it. But there's no secret they they. Whatever they did, uh, I got a chance to meet Hein Bloom, you know, uh, a few months ago. I went and interviewed for that Boston job, mm-hmm. and you know, I heard some good things about it. But you know, when I got to sit down and talk with him, I, you know, I, I couldn't have been more impressed, and I could I could see why they were successful. You know, uh, how long you can maintain that, I, I got no idea. But they they're doing a pretty good job with it. But I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. I, I'm, I'm kind of a purist in the game. But if it works, it works. If you win, you win. Yeah, that's true. If you win, you win. So uh, it's interesting. You mentioned that you went and inter- interviewed for that job. Uh, you know, you you've been have a very unique position. A where where uh, you're some, something of a of an el- not an elder statesman, but you are an, you are an experienced manager in the big leagues. I'm not trying to age you. Right? I'm not trying to put years on you. Right. right. Well, but, well, hey, but, well, you're right. If you do, man, keep be accurate. <laughs> but, but yeah, but no, it's, seem- not, it's gone younger. The game's gone younger. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. But so, do you think that like teams are, are looking? Without giving us too much, you know, kind of inside baseball information, but but do you feel like teams are looking for people who are going to, you know, managers who are able to kind of work with these young players and as well as kind of you know absorb the information stuff that you, you've told us today, and I think that anybody who's paying attention can see that you've you've done over your career. Is that is that your sense that they it's it's really about these young guys who can really connect with the players? Well, I'm not so sure it's connected with the players because I mean you get some, mm. you get some guys that've been some veterans, been around managers. In the, they, they're very good at connecting with young players, old players. Doesn't matter. I think, mm. but I will say this: I I can guarantee you, if, you, if you're not going to function with the front office, if you're not, if you're going to be too independent, or or you're not going to, you know, um, you know, especially especially your uh, more extreme analytics front offices. If you're not if you're not going to go along with what they say, you got no chance of getting a job. I I, I can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't make that anything right or wrong, but I that's a, uh, I mean, I, I think that's a big part of why you get a lot of guys that have never even managed or coached in the minor leagues, you know, they're pretty good players, but no experience doing it, but they're stepping right in and doing it in the big leagues. Um, yeah, they know the right people that, that doesn't hurt, but you know, they're, they're willing to do what the front office wants them. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm not saying that's wrong, but you know, uh, you know, man, experience managing at the big league level teaches you some things too. And it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, we probably put a little more emphasis on, 
you know, the human element or maybe not more emphasis, but probably recognize that a little bit more than some, some, some front offices do. Uh, cause I, you know, I, I believe this too. I, you know, if you were guaranteed a certain outcome, if you did this thing, certain, certain way, if these guys were robots and you're guaranteed mm-hmm. that perfect, it'd be easy. Right. But they're not, you know, they're human beings and there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, but baseball has always been about numbers and it just hasn't been this extreme. And, and I think, I think it's, it's been really good for the game, but I think in, in some places, I think they've taken it too far, but you know, the game all, you know, think about baseball, baseball always comes. You can't destroy baseball. We try sometimes, but the game always <laughs> comes back to the easily. It's kind of like our government. You know, we say we need to be middle of the road. We can't be extreme left or extreme, right? We need to the middle. Same thing in baseball. You need the middle, you know, a little bit of everything. I, 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 I know exactly what you mean. I do want to ask you something. You're someone who, who um, in between times managing the Blue Jays, you were managing in the minor leagues, and, and uh, your career you spent, obviously, uh, quite a bit of time in the minor leagues. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of talk about the minor leagues and minor leaguers uh, you know, recently, especially with the, the fact that there's no games, and we're seeing some players really step up um, and kind of help, help out minor leaguers with some money. Uh, from your experience, how, how big is that for, for those guys who, who are you know, struggling or guys who are in, in high A and, and don't know how, when they might get to the big leagues or maybe didn't get those big, um, those big bonuses? Is that something that's really going to make a difference for these guys in your experience? Oh, yeah. Well, it'll help. You know, uh, and, you know I, I, I didn't follow it a lot, but I remember a couple of years ago they were trying to form a little union down there. And, uh, but, you know, no, nobody's ever experienced a shutdown like this. You know, there's been some lockouts and some strikes and all that. But, you know, the, I don't think that ever affected the minor leagues. Uh, but, no, I mean, and this, is a, this is extreme. And, you know, the fact that some guys are helping these guys out just shows you what it's all about. You know, I mean, it, it, baseball is a tight fraternity. I don't care whether you're in the media, you know, you're coaching the players or wherever you're at, big leagues, minor leagues. You know, I mean, we're all in this thing together. Um, but all I can tell you about me, you know, when I, all I wanted, and I got drafted at high school, all I wanted was a shot. It didn't matter how much money I was making. So I can remember my first couple of years in, in rookie ball and A ball. I'd live with we, five, six, seven guys. We'd, we'd share a place, you know, and pitch in so we could make ends meet. Didn't think anything about it. You know, didn't, weren't worried about the money you made because really all anybody thought about was, hey, yeah, they're going to be an opportunity to get to the big leagues. If I'm good enough, I'll make it, then I'll make a good living. If not, you know, how can I complain? Because, I, you know, all I want is an opportunity, and they're giving that to me. And, and then uh, uh, it's, it's like anything else, man. If, if, you're, if you don't have much money, if you, you, didn't, if you weren't a bonus baby, you didn't get a whole lot, well, you know, you, you got to live with more guys. You know, you live with a few guys and make ends meet because uh, there's not a lot of bonus babies, especially back then. You know, now there's the, these guys, most of them get a you know, pretty, pretty good chunk of money, even some of the low-round picks. Um, so, you know what, it's, it's all about the chasing the dream. You know, uh, you know, in 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 kind of the, really makes you appreciate the guys, the great players in this game that do it for any length of time, man. They're, they're that good, you know, and they're that much better than the rest, you know. And, and uh, they're the guys that get rewarded. But that's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like life. You know, you outwork somebody, you're you're a little bit smarter. Whatever you do, you go the extra mile, you get rewarded more than the other guy. And it's probably the way it should be. Uh, we want to talk, of, of course. Minor leaguers, big leaguers aren't the only people who who have uh, had their spring and their baseball interrupted. Uh, you were st- scheduled to to start a new a new position with the Braves. What, what were what can you tell us about what a uh, special special assignment scout is that? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's a job I always heard about and I always wanted because it sounded good, right? <laughs> it definitely would look good on your LinkedIn profile. Your, your LinkedIn is just going to be shining now. Special assignment scout. It sounds really high level. 
Hey, well, you know, I'm not going to reveal his name, but an old buddy of mine, old pitching coach, great, long-time pitching coach. And uh, so I called him a couple of years ago because we, we were asking about a, a player, if maybe through a trade or something. So I, mm-hmm. I called him, and he didn't answer his phone. He called me back about five, ten minutes later, and I said, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. He says, well, I just got just came in off the beach. I've been fishing, you know. I said, what are you doing now? And he says, well, I'm a special assignment scout or a special assignment for, I can't remember what team. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, what are, you, what are you doing? He goes, I don't do anything. He said, they call me and ask me questions every now and then, but I never leave the house. <laughs> I said, that's the job I want. So anyway, I ended up getting this job with Atlanta. It's got the same title, but they were actually sending me out on the road. And, you know, for, uh, until until they took everybody off the road and they shut things down, I was I was going and watching, you know, the, the amateurs, uh, some mm-hmm. college players, and primarily catchers, and, and some position players, and then and some high school kids, you know, to get to give my opinion on the draft. And, and uh, so, I, and actually, I was really enjoying it. You know, I mean, in scouting, I tell you what, scouting, one of the toughest jobs in baseball. You know, it, uh, you know, it's, it, a lot of it's projection. And that's one of the reasons, you know, analytics has really, I think, helped the scouting end of it. You know, because it's, you know, it's basically always been a crapshoot. Uh, you know, in, in trying to figure out what this kid's going to be X number of years from now and then factoring in the competition he's playing against. And it's very difficult, you know, and I guess if you're 40%, 50% right, I don't know what it is. You're probably pretty freaking good, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I was enjoying it. And then, you know, of course, baseball shut down. So now um, I'm doing nothing. So second year in a row, I'm getting paid for doing nothing. I guess I got that mastered. <laughs> I think you're living the dream. It, sound, it sounds like you got it. You got something figured out. Hey, I have uh, to write a book. There you go. You want to talk to Stoughton? He'll he, he'll help you. Stoughton is a great writer. Yeah, okay, can, all right. How to get paid for doing nothing? <laughs> <laughs> you can write. I, I can help you with that book as well. I'm good at that at that job. <laughs> we don't want to take too much of your time, but I think that uh, all joking aside, if you did want to write a book, there would be no shortage of people that would jump to help you. You mentioned the fraternity of baseball, and and people here in Toronto are. I've always remembered, uh, will always remember you, uh, John, and ha- everyone has such re- incredibly nice things to say, things from professional uh, interactions and things that are maybe happen away from the field. Uh, I think that you have a real uh, a sense of, people have a real sense that you're a decent, uh, just a decent guy, and, and I think it comes through, and I really appreciate, well, I appreciate you taking this. time. And, uh, and, and you know, I just you know what? It, was, it wasn't safe. always like that now. My first go no. around, <laughs> was, it was, it was, kind of, it was uh, I think I had the J.P. Richardi curse. I think J.P., uh, they knew I was tied to JP, so they were taking him out on me or something. But it's not decent. But you know, but then when I came back the second go round, I, I, it's amazing though how you you win a little bit, it wins something anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can change some opinions. But you know, one thing I try to do in all in all seriousness, you know, I try to be. I did try to be a good guy. I try to be an honest guy, and, and uh, I, I enjoy people. You know, I, I enjoyed meeting people, and you know, I fell in love with the city of Toronto. You know, I, I really did, and really the, the whole country because just good, good hard nosed hardworking people, genuine people, you know, and, and, um, and I've, I've always, that's who I am. And, and I thought I fit in pretty good. And, you know, they gave me a great send off, you know, that, that final game. And uh, heck, I'll never forget that, but I miss it. I, will, I definitely tell you that I, I definitely miss it. It's a great, it's a great city to play in, you know, uh, you know, at first some players might, might come there and they're a little apprehensive, you know, they think mm-hmm. they're in a foreign country, but I've never heard one player, after he left Toronto, I have one bad thing to say. You know, everybody ends up loving that place, and you can see why. Awesome, glad to hear it. So yeah, John, thank you so much uh, again. As I said, be well, be safe, and hopefully you're uh, you're back out on the road watching these uh, amateurs and, and trying to read between the tea leaves. Tell us who's going to be great and who's going to be just good All enough. Right. So. No hey, pressure. Boys, no pressure. Anytime. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again, John Gibbons. Everybody.
All right, we're back. Thank you again. I do. I should have said it at the beginning. Hopefully, you're sticking around after the interview with John Gibbons. If you're not, if it's your first time, thank you so much for listening to Birds All Day. I know it's a weird time. We hope that you had some fun listening to Gibby be Gibby. If it is your first time, make sure you do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on wherever you get your good podcasts. But the other thing you could subscribe to is The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash Blue Jays, you can, no, slash Birds All Day. That's the name of this show. Theathletic.com slash Birds All Day. Subscribe, you get 40% off. So do that. And uh, anything else we got to plug? I don't know, that's it, right? Subscribe to the podcast, which is free for everybody. But you should also, of course, subscribe to The Athletic. Get all the stuff that everybody's writing about. Uh, just a lot of cre- a lot of uh, creativity. A lot of really cool stuff that people are still, excuse me, managing to um, to come up with. And, and just uh, and doing some cool and inspiring stuff. Agreed. And uh, there is one thing to also to plug is that uh, mm. the theathletic.com slash free 90 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... You know, times are tough. Content uh, is getting people through days as being a great distraction. And we have uh, our usual, uh, uh, you know, you get a free trial period is usually much shorter than this. But currently it is 90 days. So you can check out The Athletic, all the benefits of it. You can hear the podcast ad free. Uh, you can get all my writing, all of John Lott, Caitlin McGrath, every Blue Jays writer that we have, every national writer, every everything. Uh, you know, most of you are here and, and know this already. But for those who don't. Uh, give it a whirl. I uh, I can't I can't agree more. Yeah, free ninety days. It is it is a weird time. I do want to say uh, send a shout out to the 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 remember some guys the mediocre madness tournament which was done by uh, average baseball players uh, on Instagram. So go and check them out. Uh, there's all kinds of guy remembering going on. As I said, uh, there's not much else to talk about. I don't know you. What what have you been writing about? You talked about um, uh, Ross Atkins sort of. Uh, uh, you know, met with with the media again recently. I guess there's a lot going on. Um, we're getting yeah. to that stage now yeah. where where where. Well, I guess I don't know. People freaked out when the city of Toronto announced that there's no more. They they canceled mm. all the permits for yeah. like city events between now and June 30th, uh, which is a precautionary measure. But that that does not apply to necessarily apply to Blue Jays baseball should the opportunity present itself. Yeah, but that, I mean, that was a weird moment of like, I think everybody kind of expects that that's, you know, we know that the timeline is longer than than anybody is sort of ready to accept just yet, I think. Uh, and so when the city of Toronto did that, and it was the, the language was unclear. And so people at first thought that, you know, no. Oh, so this makes it obvious. This is like in writing from the city that the Blue Jays can't play to those dates. It turned out that was not entirely accurate, but it's not like they're going to start playing before then anyway. We're just, you know, it's just unofficial. And I think that that kind of what was interesting about it and what, they, you know, what should have been talked about that announcement is that that is sort of, you know, that's like a best case scenario for even starting to cut back to to thinking about games with no fans, you know, thinking about whatever comes next, uh, which is a ways down the road, which is why we're, out here remembering some guys it um it doesn't it doesn't look good i don't know we don't have to talk about this too much again but i like to i like the idea of trying to make this show a little bit of a respite from all of that but i I, i've texted it to you and i've talked about it with you people on there's a big part of me that thinks there's not gonna be any baseball at all this year um it it, we're in a really uh rough place right now uh, all over the world and it's no worse place than the place where baseball is based 
frankly, um, which is not news. I'm not breaking any news. I don't have any insight beyond what I, everyone else can read and, and see on uh, in the news and in the world. So it still has to get worse before it can get better. And I think that's going to really has a real good chance to make this the remember some guys season as opposed to the <laughs> playing some game yeah. season. And, and I know that there's been a lot of speculation about, oh, they're talking about maybe doing a 101 game season or maybe this meant the, I really think it would be a mistake. Again, I don't have any real insight into this, but I think it would be a real mistake if they come back and are like trying to cram double headers in everywhere. Just like what, from, yeah. uh, from my perspective as a fan, if the opportunity presents itself for baseball to come back in any capacity this year, just let it come back and let it be what it is. Play the games at the same rate that you would play them ordinarily. There's no once the season yeah, has been yeah, compromised yeah. from a like seasonal integrity point of view. Just if you're just playing games to 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 lift spirits and get some money flowing into people's pockets again, whatever the different reasons are, don't overdo it because you're just gonna you're just gonna hurt people are gonna get hurt. And it's going to yeah. reflect poorly on a the quality, and it's just not what I don't know. I just think I think it would be a big mistake to 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 not a rush. Obviously, is a huge mistake, and that's I can't see them doing that. But if they try to cram too much baseball into too short a period of time, no benefit to that in my mind. No, I, I think you're right. I, I but I but you know we have seen over the last two decades, you know, the teams more and more thinking about their players as assets and their business as a business. Uh, and so I think they're probably more aware than we are about the idea of not breaking all their pitchers by, you know, throwing them into this like wild scenario. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, what, whatever, whatever we can do, we can do. And we, we will be appreciative of that. I think. And like, you know, if the, if the 2020, if you could crown somebody, if you can say, Hey, we did it, we at least did this much and then crowned a champion. We, you know, We'll leave it to future generations to decide whether that needs an asterisk or not. We'll just, you know, what you know, we'll take it in stride. We'll hopefully there will be some baseball to watch this year, uh, but obviously there are more important things going on. And also, stay stay inside. Stay inside. Yeah. Stay inside. It's uh, if I could put on my other hat, I think it is important to remember that the only way to prevent the spread of COVID-19 is to, to stay inside. It's not like, what's that? Do you remember that movie with like uh, John Goodman and Denzel Washington? Um, where this, this that sounds great, but no. It, oh, well, it's oh, like, uh, the, 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 he, he was a pilot. Denzel was a pilot. No, no, there's that one as well, but it's like, <laughs> I can't remember. I, I, I should, I should have looked it up, but like, in the in the movie, the twist is like there's this like spirit thing that that tra- travels and gets passed from person to person, and it has Denzel's voice, and then you think, and but it's also like his character, but then you realize he's not. It's not his character. It's 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 this virus thing. It doesn't like hop around arbitrarily, like seeking homes. It's not like a like a, in a bad movie. Like we ex- pass it. It's in the community now. And and it's not like well where was if it's not like this person that this Tim Hortons had it or where was this person who passed away where did they live like it's in the community that's it like there's no there's no hot spots like it's just there and people are getting it at home they're getting it everywhere so just stay home stay home and do whatever you can to to um, to avoid Min- contact to minimize with, yeah to minimize contact to avoid contact with people who you aren't you don't live in your house it's going to be really really tough in the next couple of weeks. As A, the weather gets better, and B, we get into like the holidays and stuff. But if if you've got someone in your family who's like, you know, we're just going to get together for 
for Passover, for Easter, whatever, for are they even I think Ramadan's a little bit after that. Don't do it. Just stay home. Do it on fucking FaceTime. It sucks, but the alternative is so much worse. So that is my thing that I'm going to say about that. Now, let's remember some guys. <laughs> <laughs> there was you, you, I guess everybody did it on the athletic, which was like a best players on each team by number. Mm hmm. And I need for you to defend your choice of number six, frankly. You of all people. Yeah, what did I do there? You picked Strowman. The six, baby. What more What more justification do I need? Uh, did somebody else wear six? Did I miss somebody? You did. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, I have great affection for Marcus Strowman. I remember his time with the Blue Jays fondly. People who have listened mm -hmm. to this podcast more than once will remember me uh, uh, imploring the general manager of the team not to trade him <laughs> in, you, into his you, face. You actually, you literally actually did that. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is true. Professionalism at its absolute highest. <laughs> we are uh, we are nothing if not. I would say just pure like a like a fire like a well oiled machine. Just absolute slick hair and teeth. We are uh, pros through and through. All that said about John McDonald. Oh shit! I just <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, let it, gave it away. Anyway, I gave it away. Yeah. Mark Stroman, great, never elected Prime Minister of Canada or the Prime Minister of Defense, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. John McDonald. It's got to be John McDonald. No, I gave I him an honorable mention. I, I feel. Uh, uh, but yeah, you did. You yeah, did. Yeah. It, that's a tough choice. That that's among the toughest choices. It's true. Most of the other ones are might... pretty no. Uh, hmm? Had I oh, had I ahead. not had the, had 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 these weeks now of uh, nostalgia and remembering guys not taking place, uh, mm -hmm. I might have been more inclined to pick John McDonald. But like uh, the game that they were playing, they play you know playing the bat flip game, playing you know thinking about twenty fifteen. You played on your Twitch stream the mm -hmm. Estrada game. Uh, Strowman coming back from that fucking. ACL sprain and how like I think we talked about this maybe with Zooms on a, on a podcast not that long ago or maybe it was off air but like but like the just the gut punch that it was when Stroman blew out his fucking knee in spring training it was like you know because the team was on it was just such a, a a fine line between whether they could be successful or not it's like they got Martin they got Josh Donaldson uh, but also Miguel Castro and Roberto Osuna are like teens and are going to be your like best relievers <laughs> like, like it was not it was a it was like they were pushing stars and scrubs to the limit and mm -hmm. then by mid-season we're like hey how about it just stars and stars uh, <laughs> and all and you know all the way the thread running through that whole season was Stroman instagramming or whatever whatever social media ex existed in 2015 who could remember a it different time 40 years ago at this point <laughs> Uh, but like, you know, doing the rehab where, like wearing up sprinting with the parachute on or like doing mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, and then he came back and he was just fucking amazing Four regular season starts was incredible in the, in the playoffs. Uh, and remembering that through this little period where we're like, oh my God, if we get nostalgic, I don't feel like depressed like i do every other moment of the day and we're all you know just sort of consuming that mm -hmm. uh it it turned it turned to me and it, to me at the time uh, of, of writing it uh, it felt like the obvious choice and now that i'm being confronted i'm trying to you know i'll minimize 
uh, conflict if I possibly can. I see what you mean. I love John McDonald. He saved many seasons of Blue Jays baseball for me because he was not David Eckstein or fucking Russ Adams or whoever the fuck else. <laughs> Royce Clayton that they tried to like have play shortstop. They're like, no, why? If, if he's going to suck at the plate, might as well have someone who fields everything. Uh, love John McDonald, but John McDonald, I was I was right, is what I'm trying to say. You you were right, John McDonald. Obviously, so John John McDonald is is, is great because a he was he just kept taking people's jobs, which was yeah. like <laughs> awesome because they were like we need to get better shortstop because John McDonald can't hit at all. And then by the end of the year, it's like John McDonald everyday shortstop. Fuck you, get out of my way. <laughs> like and. <laughs> You're absolutely right. He played the hell out of shortstop and did it in such an entertaining and like a like a really cool hybrid way because he didn't play like he didn't play like Troy Tulowitzki, right? Like Tulowitzki was so smooth mm-hmm. and very much like you know always on the run and throwing on the run, and he didn't play like with the same sort of. He was a lot more direct, right, to the ball in, in like a, almost a bit of a throwback way. But he was also so spectacular, right? He wasn't just the guy making the super fundamental plays and and playing like a scrappy white guy frankly you know you mentioned david Eckstein, who is going to be part of the next guy remembering conversation but like <laughs> he wasn't that right because Eckstein was garbage he was so bad out there but mcdonald was like the perfect mix of those two styles coming together and all the weird like falling down and throwing and then there was I think Ian Hunter, the Blue Jay Hunter guy, yes, had that. that I'm literally looking play. at it right now. That's such yeah, an incredible where like play. Marcus Stroman or Marcus uh, Marco Scudero threw it to, to Johnny Mack, and he threw it over. Well, shortstop. shoveled it out of his glove yeah, without yeah. using his bare hand, and then Johnny Mack. I'm literally watching it. <laughs> still has to spin around and throw it to first base to get the put out, and uh, it's and, incredible. And then the Johnny did the Father's Day home run, which is like just uh, a great, great moment that is just like a really human moment, obviously, and and not like a people when I said, what game should we stream? People like stream the John McDonald game. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can pull that off yeah. right now because it's just like an emotionally charged event. But other than that, it's like, I don't, it's remember. a boring game. It's a, just a game, right? We're like <laughs> the game that John McDonald hit a home run in. It's awesome, but it's more like heritage moment than something that we want yeah. to kind of live in and sit in for an hour <laughs> or 45 minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> It's like Laura Secord running through the forest. Yeah. More or less the same. <laughs> <laughs> the Halifax explosion? John McDonald hit a home run in garbage time in the middle of August or whatever, <laughs> July. <I guess. laughs> but anyway, um, there are some tough choices. Number 10 was a tough choice, I think. You you, you went with Edwin Encarnacion, which I, is difficult I had, I, I had the evens. Yeah, somebody, you know, Pat Borders was a t- was 10. I mean, World Series MVP. And it, it's it's one of those things where it's like... He was an average catcher, but he had that word. Like, do they win the World Series if if it was a replacement level catcher there, which he mm-hmm. probably was that season? You know, it, it, like, I don't know. That shit matters. And, and I understand why it matters to fans, too, and not ghouls like me who's like, well, actually, <laughs> over the other 162 games, he was quite pedestrian. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Fucking Pat Borders won, like, hit 450 in the World Series. Like, that's awesome and it's almost the opposite case that would be made for vernon wells who i'm like you know vernon wells is a is is a great great player vernon wells had a great career vernon wells put up a lot of great numbers he had a lot of great seasons he had some rough seasons and people people as we discussed kind of misremember the nature of vernon wells uh uh, blue time as a blue jay um 
but it's like not none of, none of that stuff is especially relevant mm-hmm. because he didn't produce at a time when the Blue Jays were, uh, you know, other than the 2006, which was a great season for him, which I know we spoke with John Gibbons about being a good season, but not one that ended in any kind of, you know, glory. So no. I, I think you're, you're I, right I, to weigh those two things. I'm realizing now you didn't mean borders because obviously who would pick Pat Borders? Though I do but yeah, how a, can you not? A lovely conversation. Time. But yeah, no, he's told, but but yeah, you're right. I I didn't even think of her. I forgot that he wore ten. But and a lot of that was like a lot of the our feelings about him are related to the contract, which is fucking weird, perverse, and truly, truly perverse. Perverse is a great <laughs> word for it. It but it really but it, it is right. Like he was a really mm-hmm. good player, and like had had it not been filtered through that prism. I, he would have been much more appreciated, I think. And I, I remember when Vernon Wells got traded, I wrote something for my blog that was to the effect of like, we are going to remember that like a 20 home run season from a from a center fielder is something to be, you know, uh, admired. not, not yeah. like standard. Not issue. usual anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's almost exactly what happened. Like since he's left, they've had one really good center fielder season which was fucking colby rasmus colby in 2014 rasmus, yeah. had like a five win year hey where he hit a bunch don't of give it don't give away my next remembering some guys piece please guys about to get remembered um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other one that i have any real issue with that i as i was scrolling through was 15 um which is i'm wrong to have issue with this and this is something well, you'll have to take this our, up with caitlin but okay. with, well, i'll take it up with caitlin then because she she remember we she did uh pick lloyd mosby over sean green which is um again Green kind of stuck between uh, stations, sort of playing in a in an anonymous time, wearing terrible uniforms on like the worst of the turf, just the worst kind of era for the Blue Jays. But a very, very, very good player who went on to have a great career and seems like a really interesting guy as well. For not that Lloyd Mosby doesn't. In in what way does being an interesting guy count? Because it makes him stick out in my mind, and I'm like, I like that guy as a player, and now he interests me as a as a guy. <laughs> So his 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 brand is really strong in my mind. How about Alex Rios though? Also a fifteen, and like it's really good. And I was thinking about this the other day uh, after I got into the wine. I do this thing sometimes. Uh, well, I do. I get into the wine a bit, but uh, sometimes when I'm into the wine, I'll like write notes about you know, work-related things, because my work, I'm blessed, is, is, is like, what about Alex Rios? You know, dumb you know, baseball <laughs> stuff. Uh, they just gave him away there, eh? That was... Uh, and they he, did. He went on to, he, they went, he went on to have a, a career that was uh, pretty good. He played for a long time. Well, that, that World Series champion had the 2015 World Series happened. So... The thing about Alex Rios for me is that he he's not as good as those other two players. Like full stop. Oh, clearly had some great years. I really liked I liked watching him play. Uh, he liked you know he did a lot of cool things. Um, you know he was big and tall and and had a wild ass batting stance and really played right field. He played the shit out of right field. But Sean Green did all that stuff and hit the ball over the fence a lot. And uh, and Lloyd Mosby like not a not uh, history does not. He was he's the kind of guy that like wins above replacement loves and maybe we didn't it was like oh he's a good player he hit like 280 hit like you know 16 home runs steal a bunch of bases plays every day sure what that whatever that's great but Jesse Barfield hit 40 home runs but it's like Lloyd Mosby does all things good well and uh and you know like almost like a there are lots of players like Scott Rowland or Kenny Lofton or guys that that just do something well for a long time but are more difficult to appreciate um than 
someone who puts up the eye popping numbers here and there. So uh, I mean, though, though, also speaking, you're right about Lloyd Mosby, 83 and 84. Uh, baseball Reference has him at six wins and then seven point three wins. Well, yeah, because all those things, right? <laughs> like, that's gets really on base, good. gets on base, plays good defense, plays every day, yeah. good base runner, and hits for enough power that he's not just up there slapping it around like some kind of uh, just you know driving the ball, getting extra base hits, being just being a productive player in a way that's more well rounded, where you can you can be in a baseball sort of appreciator and be like that's a good player. Yeah. Then and now it's <laughs> in like, an in an era when Garth Orge can get regular playing time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with Mullenorge, how dare you? How dare um, you denigrate the greatest uh, platoon of all time? Uh, all right, I think I'm. I think we're. You know, we've been. We actually gone on longer than I thought. I was like, we're only gonna have to remember some guys for a little while. But here we are. Still remembering I mean, guys. we got seventeen months left, so there are a lot of guys to remember. Though I feel that there will be, a, you know, a change in the. Uh, in the content economy, right? I mean, I think people will grow tired of remembering some guys. I'm already growing tired of remembering some guys. We're trying, you know, we're stretching the boundaries of guys that are even worth remembering. Uh, but who knows what uh, what tomorrow may bring? We have a lot of guys to remember. Don't mm. even worry about that. The next one, <laughs> the, the thing I saw going around today was like, um, was the... Um, uh, it was like super remembering some guys like remember this one fun fact about this guy that I'm about to remember and it was like imagining guys when they played for this team and this uh, I, I'll bring it full circle please I was looking at something on baseball reference it might have been the 2009 team uh, no it was when we were talking to John Gibbons it was 2006 or whatever and you know how they do like that that layout on baseball reference where it's got the guys headshots and it kind of ranks them by wins above replacement for that season yeah yep. and there right in the middle of the page is Lyle Overbay's big white smiling face <laughs> and I was like yeah Lyle Overbay but he's wearing a Red Sox hat and I was like what <laughs> that is wrong how is it that his Red Sox <laughs> photo is the one that is his default on baseball reference? It hurt me. It offended me. That, he, felt, he, felt, he felt alone, listless. <laughs> I felt like true Yankee Lyle Overbay is being disrespected by shoving him into a Red Sox hat in that photo. I think that's it. Thank you so much. To John Gibbons for joining us. And as you joked, as you mentioned on Twitter, you joked to you guys, oh, you guys must be bored. <laughs> oh, he, yeah, he didn't, I don't think we got it on the. No, that was before we started He record. 100%, it was like literally the first thing he said to us. We're like, John, thanks for doing this. He's like, you guys must be bored. <laughs> it was, I, I, as I said to him, and I'm saying it now, it was a true pleasure. I really was excited to talk to John Gibbons. And I think we had a good time. Uh, thank you to you. No, it. Yeah, uh, if I may, if you may indulge me, as mm-hmm. you know, this is really all we ever do on this podcast. <laughs> but but no, like, like he owes us nothing. We don't know John. It, it were, you were just like, give me the best, and he didn't. He didn't have to come on our little podcast. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to be gregarious and and cool with us. And just like from second number one, he was just joking around like we're. You know, best of pals, like slapping backs at the bar or something like that. And it was, uh, you know, uh, that is a gift. And I think that's why he is so uh, revered and remembered well here. 
Absolutely. You're you are 100% right. I think I I like was in John John Gibbons scrums like a handful of times maybe in the in in his office in the old in the old days and then and then the new um and then and then that's it and you know shout out to Tyler the producer who uh, who wrangled him and got him to do it and again like you said but just a, and as I said on the show he's just a decent guy he's just decent and he loves baseball loves to talk about baseball knows people in Toronto love him so if someone's like hey you want to talk about the blue days he's like fucking hell yeah what else am I doing right now so <laughs> awesome so thanks to John Gibbons as I said shout out to Tyler for uh, for getting him on the show thank you to you Stoughton for indulging and for remembering some guys and for fueling the guy remembering economy as you have been doing and i hope you continue to do um and i hope you're well i hope everyone listening is well be well take care of yourself take care of each other get out and get some sun but stay away and uh and we'll talk to you next time on birds all day